Not many times you get a sermon on Lucifer. Um, but you know, Lucifer is, uh, is actually a very good place to start your understanding of what we're doing and why we have not finished what we've been called to do. Okay? Um, the last session that was in here was on, on uh, biz ministry or... No, that's not... Uh, that was the idea. Business ministry combination. I forget exactly the way he, he put the word together there. And I'm just... You know, in the, in the business world, one of the most highly valued traits that people have is, is the ability to innovate. You think of, you know, the, the hot... Uh, tech companies, you know, and innovation is like, that's, that is just like, oh, yes, oh, we worship, you know, you came up with a brand new idea. Okay, well, there's a place for innovation, and there are places where it's not nearly so good. As it turns out, Lucifer was the first really great innovator. And what he went to the angels with, he says, let's, let's try something new. Let's just try something new. I want to start at the beginning of this story. And, um, you know, if you're going to tell a story, the beginning is always the best place to start. The Bible does that. Where's the beginning in the Bible, huh? Well, there's actually three beginnings. And we're, we're aiming for the one in the middle. That's where our story starts. The one you're probably thinking of is actually the last beginning. It's creation. There was another beginning, every bit as important, if not more so, earlier on. Can you think of another beginning? Heaven? Well, yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's close to the beginning of... That's close to the beginning we're aiming for. The other probably most famous beginning in the beginning was the Word. We're not talking about either of those beginnings. We're looking for a beginning that's somewhere in between, and it just preceded that war that the sister mentioned. It went like this. Jesus speaking, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand the truth, for he's a liar and the father of it. Well, what's that the beginning of? You know, that's not the beginning of time immemorial, like in the beginning was the word. That's not the beginning of human history, as in, in the beginning God created. What's it the beginning of? Well, simply put, it's the beginning of sin. And what's interesting is that Jesus says at the very beginning of sin, Lucifer was a murderer. Even though no one died. It's kind of interesting. No one died in the war in heaven. The angels that lost that war weren't killed. They are held in chains for judgment. But they're not dead. So how was it that Lucifer became a murderer from the very beginning. Well, okay. We'll get there. One more piece of kind of groundwork. Along with the beginning, we have mysteries. We have two mysteries. We're looking for the second mystery. Okay? The first mystery is actually the good one. 
without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. But there is a second mystery. Paul's the one who talks about that the most. He seemed to kind of like the idea, for whatever reasons. He speaks of the mystery of lawlessness already at work. One of the interesting aspects of these two mysteries is that the first one was hidden from the beginning of the ages. Why was the first mystery hidden from the beginning of the ages? Well, simply put, because the first mystery is the solution to the second mystery. The mystery of godliness is the solution to the mystery of lawlessness. It's the counteracting agent. I find that impressive. It tells me that you're not going to catch God flat-footed. <laughs> okay? Before there was lawlessness, God had the answer for it. He kept it in wraps. Actually, there's an interesting statement. I don't have it here. A uh, spirit prophecy statement where it says part of the mystery was what would be done if any of the high intelligences of heaven should apostatize. And Lucifer wanted in on that mystery. And God said, actually, we're not going to tell you that. <laughs> you know, we're not telling anybody that. Because it's possible that a high intelligence of heaven should apostatize. And we have to have our plans. God is not caught flat. He has contingency plans. I suspect he has contingency plans for everything. If you're omniscient, I guess you can do that. <laughs> I can't. Okay, anyway, let's go on. This second mystery, this is the one we're looking at, the bad mystery. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, I use, in my presentations, I use the New King James Version. You can debate the pros and cons. It's not a, a big issue to me one way or the other. But here it's really nice because the, uh, the authorized version, the original King James, for which I have great respect, it says that they should believe a lie. But the Greek is actually specific. Remember your articles, a, an, and the, right? We'll come to those later on. The is the definite article. If I say, there goes a car, so what? If I say, there goes the car, well, somehow I'm expecting you to know which car is the car, right? That's Fred's car, or that's the red car, or that's the car that just, uh, you know, ran over the puppy dog or something. You know, that's the car. That's different than just a car. And the Greek is very specific here. I, I'm told, I'm not a Greek scholar. I could use up my Greek vocabulary in about six words. But, <laughs> but they tell me that it's very specific, that this is the lie. Well... <clears throat> Why is that, huh? And what is that? What is the lie? The devil was a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. And by this time, he's told lots of lies. One of the lies that we often focus on, sometimes we call it the, you know, the first lie, was 
You shall not surely die. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I guess you can call that the first lie as it's presented in the book of Genesis. It certainly wasn't Lucifer's first lie. <laughs> He'd been telling lies before that, okay? So in, in that sense, it's the first lie on earth, maybe. You know, there's different ways you could couch that, and that's fine. But the lie. Question? Comment? That is a lie. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say I don't think it's the lie, but it's, that's a very significant one. And it actually has a lot to do with things which... Uh... Ah, okay. Okay. Getting down to the basics. Okay. Now, here's, here's the thing. You know, when you try to get to the root of the issue, you know what happens? You end up digging around a lot of dirt. <laughs> that's, that's where the roots are, okay? It gets a little tricky sometimes. Comment? Oh, that's another really, really rich one. I, I'm going to say, I don't think that is the most foundational lie, but that is a significant one. I spent a whole chapter on that in a book I wrote once. But um, <laughs> I'm going to go with that one, but I'm going to stand it on its head. I will ascend into the heavens, into heaven, excuse me, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, the far sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, we usually read this, and we say, this is Lucifer's bragging. And you could say it's, his, it's a lie. We often comment that he wanted the power of God, but he didn't want the character of God. You know, all these observations, and they're all good, Okay. I think it's a little bit different. I think what Lucifer was saying here is, I will exalt myself, and when I do that, I'll be like God. Because that's what he did. Follow that little twist? I don't know. To me, it was kind of a, eh? Okay? What Lucifer's saying is, God exalts himself. And I just want to be godly. Comment? It's the very heart of the whole thing. You know, first three words of patriarchs and prophets, last three words of great controversy, you remember what they are? God is love. In between, there was confusion. That way, oh yeah, everybody knew that. That way, yep, we're all going to have that clear. But in between, there's confusion on the, on the question of, is God love? Yeah. And Lucifer came along and said, yeah, i just play devil's advocate for just a second here. You know, I've been thinking about this. You know, I, I'm playing Lucifer right now. Okay, so, you know, I, I, I lead the choir. And, and I was looking through the hymn book, and I noticed something really fascinating. The hymn book has 63,575,412 hymns. And every one of them is about him. What is that? Did that just happen? 
Do you think? Or maybe he kind of set it up that way. What do you think? Did that just happen? Or did God exalt himself? This was a new idea. Nobody had ever thought this idea before. And I'm going to argue that I think this is the lie. Everything evil comes off of the belief that God is not totally and completely love. Well, let's go on. So there's what I'm going to argue is the lie. Uh, Covered all that. Let's go on. Okay. Before I carry that thought any further, though, we, we need to kind of shut a door, okay? We need to be clear that there never was and never will be a reason for sin, okay? Notice this text. It is impossible to explain the origin of sin so as to give a reason for its existence. Sin is an intruder for whose presence no reason can be given. It is mysterious, unaccountable. To excuse it is to defend it. Could excuse for it be found or cause be shown for its existence, it would cease to be sin. You are not smart enough to come up with an answer to the question, how did sin originate? I'm not smart enough either. I'm not trying to put you down. (laughs) There is no answer to the question. It's kind of weird. That's really offensive to academia. (laughs) You know? That's really offensive to our intelligence-centered system of education to think that there is a question for which we will never have an answer. Oh, give me a shot at it. I'm pretty bright. I might come up with one. You know, no, you won't. Neither will I. Okay? If you think you found a reason for Lucifer choosing to sin, you are wrong. But here we have to kind of hew a fine line. There is no answer. I mean, perfect God, perfect heaven, perfect universe, perfect law, perfect angels, perfect everything, and Lucifer sins. I can't tell you how that happened. I'm not going to try to tell you that happened. If you think I'm trying to tell you how that happened, step back, raise your hand, do something, because I'm not trying to tell you how that happened. But, on the other side of the very fine line, I want to look at how it happened. Not why, but how it developed. Once Lucifer harbored that thought, and he says, I don't know that I can trust God. He may not be as as loving as he puts himself out to be. Maybe God's selfish. Once Lucifer had that thought, now we can analyze what happened from there out. Does that make sense? So this side of the line, no, we ain't going there. This side of the line, we better understand this. There's reasons for that. Let's go on. Okay, one of the big reasons... Because we're in a war. <laughs> okay? Now, you know, I mean, um, we're in a Christian place here, and so without speaking too broadly, and, boy, I tell you, if I said this in Canada, I could be in really deep water really fast, but I'll just go ahead and use the illustrations because I'm here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Um, <laughs> but if, you know, suppose we, I mean, if you turn around and look at the doors in the, on the, the back there, you know, they've got these nice crosses on them, okay? That looks really Christian. That's good, okay? Just suppose 
Half a dozen uh, masked individuals came through those doors, started screaming, Aloha Akbar, and shooting AK-47s around. That would be concerning, yes? That is nothing compared to the war that we are in. We're in a war that counts for a lot more than whether or not I catch a shell in my head, okay? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's bad. I'm not promoting, you know, homicidal mania. No? Okay, not promoting that. But that's nothing compared to what Lucifer's trying to do to you. We are in a war. And we need to understand this. God calls for more tact, far more tact, more wise generalship than has yet been given him by his human agents. There is need of sharp, sanctified thinking and keen work to counteract the ingenious plans of Satan. We are in a war. Somebody better get on the stick. <laughs> we, you know, there's no sense standing around in a war getting yourself killed. I saw an interesting headline this morning. A young couple decided to take a motorbike ride. I think it was a motorbike. Maybe it was a bicycle. I forget what it was. An idealistic young couple decided to take a motorbike or something ride through ISIS-controlled territory to demonstrate to the world that humans are kind. They are now dead. That didn't work so well. Okay? In that particular scenario, yeah, some humans are kind. Don't get me wrong. You know, but there are some things in a war situation you maybe ought not to be trying. Okay, sharp, sanctified thinking, understanding what the devil's doing, and counteracting it. Counteracting it. You know, I like the idea that we are actively involved in a war. I taught uh, academy for you know I don't know how many years, about twenty years worth of teaching. Is that me doing that? Anyhow. And one of the things that just annoyed me no end was Adventist teenagers coming into the school with the impression that, you know, Adventism is just kind of like, uh, go to church, sit in the pew, the guy talks, you pay your tithes, that's nice. That ain't it! We're in a war! <laughs> Somebody's trying to kill you, man. You better get your head on. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Uh, at the final condemnation of Satan and his angels, and of all men who have finally identified themselves with him as transgressors of God's law, every mouth will be stopped. When the hosts of rebellion, from the first great rebel to the last transgressor, are asked why they have broken the law of God, they will be speechless. There will be no answer to give. No reason to assign that will carry the least weight. That's because the answers that are floating around now that a lot of people think are perfectly good reasons, why did you cheat on your income tax? Because I needed the money. You know? Why did you, why did you, why did you? We've got lots of reasons for stuff like that. Why did you watch that? Oh, I thought it was really interesting. Oh, it was corrupting your mind. Don't do that, man. You know? We've got reasons. We've got answers for all sorts of stupid behaviors. <laughs> And the day is coming when none of those answers will work. But the day is coming because 
there has been some wise generalship that's counteracted that stuff and has destroyed those answers. Now, fortunately, we have the wisest general of all on our side, if we're enlisted on the right side, that is. You know, it's not a question of whether he's on our side, it's whether we're on his side. Okay, but you know. So, what's going on with Lucifer? I want to look at Lucifer. We want to understand this a bit more. The greatest talents and the highest gifts that could be bestowed on a created being were given to Lucifer, the covering cherub. Before his fall, he was a glorious being occupying a position next to Christ. Now, uh, just a public service announcement. I see some of the saints taking pictures of the slides. You can do that. It's not copyrighted. Um, I will happily give you this, the, 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 the PDF or whatever with all that in there if you want to relax and just, you know. <laughs> yeah, happily, trust me, I usually leave about five gigs of material behind me for anybody who's interested. But yeah, okay. Now notice this one, though. The greatest talents and highest gifts that could be bestowed on a created being were given to Lucifer. Okay? Um, Lucifer was a covering cherub, distinguished by his excellence. God made him good and beautiful as near as possible like himself. Well, it's not a bad way to start life, is it? <laughs> you know, some people get born with a golden spoon, as the saying goes, you know, okay? Lucifer had a pretty good starting. I want to point something out here, though, because we're going to run into it again several times. We commonly say, and, and I don't, I'm not saying it's a wrong thing to say, but it's, you just have to understand all the ramifications. Of it. We commonly say things like, well, God can do anything. I know he can't. <laughs> Look at this statement. The last one, second one. Could he make anyone more like himself than Lucifer? No, it wasn't possible. That was as near as possible. He couldn't do any more than that. There are things God can't do. He can't lie. Yeah, there's, you know, it's a crazy little illustration. You can't have, you know, a valley with, you know, or two, two range of mountains without a valley in between, you know. You can't make a square circle, you know. There's, there's crazy illustrations we use like that. There's, there's stuff that God can't do, Okay. Let's just wrap our minds around that a little bit and hang on to that idea. But this is Lucifer. This is the way he started off. <clears throat> I want you to notice a couple of things here. Lucifer was made... Uh, where's the word I'm looking for? Uh, where's my... There we go, right there. Made. He was made good. He was created where there, there's created i don't remember else in there someplace he was created with the highest gifts or the greatest gifts the highest talent or greatest talents highest gifts all this was apparently given to him at the moment he came into existence he was born fully loaded <laughs> well okay moving on lucifer chose to sin we will never know why he did that. But we do know some things about it. One of the most intriguing things is that we know that Lucifer's choice to sin played out shortly before the creation of our earth. 
When God said to his son, let us make man in our image, Satan was jealous of Jesus. He wished to be consulted concerning the formation of man, and because he was not, he was filled with envy, jealousy, and hatred. Satan hates mankind because they are the workmanship of God. He opposed the creation of man. Don't make them. Not a good idea, God. Don't make them. That's kind of interesting. What's going on there? Right? Is this only coincidental? Right? You understand the idea of coincident? Oh, here's an incident. Lucifer sinned. And here's another incident. God created the earth. Are they coincidental? They just happened about the same time? Or are they connected? Well, let's go on. <clears throat> I'm going to say the two issues are very much connected. I want you to consider these next um, statements from Lucifer's point of view. After he had secretly begun to cherish selfishness. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you how. He began to say, I want to be selfish. I, I can't tell you that. But once he had, we can analyze it. So once he said, I'm going to look out for myself. Now, think about these. Next to the angelic beings, the human family formed in the image of God are the noblest of his created works. Okay. The earth was to be peopled with beings only a little lower than the angels. Fine. It's like Psalm 8, right? Hebrews 2. Man was created a little lower than the angels. Oh, we're good for that. No other creature that God has made is capable of such improvement, such refinement, such nobility as man. Man cannot conceive what he may be and what he may become. Through the grace of Christ, he is capable of constant mental progress. Well, that makes human beings sound kind of special, even if we're, you know, number two, right? You know, we're a little lower than the angels, we're number two, but we're still kind of special. But we're different. Remember, Lucifer was made good. Notice these words. Improvement. Become. Progress. That's a different business model. It was a wonderful thing for God to create man, to make mind. God created man that every faculty might be the faculty of the divine mind. I don't know what that means. I just don't know what that means. By God's grace, someday we'll have the privilege of experiencing what that means, but don't, don't, don't look to me and say, wow, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. That means, that, that means way over my pay level. Okay. But that's what he created us for. Man was the crowning act of the creation of God, made in the image of God, and designed to be a counterpart of God. Man is very dear to God because he was formed in his own image. Counterpart. That's a fascinating word. Now, if uh, President Trump 
were to go on a state visit to, I don't know, trying to think of uh, some nice little country someplace. Japan? Yeah, let's, I, I want to go down the list of power and influence. Um, I don't care. Let's, 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 let's pick uh, Bolivia. I don't know. I don't know much about Bolivia, to be honest, but let's just pick Bolivia. Bolivia, I'm going to say, has a, probably a president. Maybe they have a prime minister. I don't, even, I don't even know what their political structure is. But they have some sort of a leader down there. And if President Trump met with the leader of Bolivia, Bolivia the news folks would probably say that he visited with his Bolivian counterpart. That would not necessarily mean that the individual in Bolivia was as important or powerful or controlled as big a country or as powerful a country, right? So it doesn't, a counterpart doesn't mean equality in all regards, but um, e kind of similarity in purpose, function, or position, or something like that, okay? Man was to be the counterpart of God, a counterpart of God. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> One more. God would place man upon probation to test his loyalty before he could be rendered eternally secure. If he endured the test wherewith God, sit, God, God saw fit to prove him, he should eventually be equal with the angels. Well, now that's a new idea. That's not where we started off. We were a little lower than the angels. That was something that was to happen eventually. We're talking a process here. Okay, fair enough. More statements to consider. Those who in the strength of Christ overcome the great enemy of God and man will occupy a position in the heavenly courts above angels who have never fallen. What happened to a little lower? The work of redemption involved consequences of which it is difficult for man to have any conception. I'm sorry, just... Um Um, I'm a little, a little antsy. We have 600 wildfires burning in British Columbia right now. And so, you know, my wife is home with her 91-year-old father. And I, when my phone goes off, I just kind of want to make sure that they're not having problems. <laughs> okay. Uh, right now, the nearest fire is about 24 miles from us, so we're, we're in pretty good shape at the moment. But, you know. Okay. Um, the work of redemption involved consequences of which it is difficult for man to have any conception. There was to be imparted an excellency of power which would place him higher than the angels who had not fallen. Now, I want to consider one little kind of a, a side issue on this. What is my time, by the way? Okay, I think we're good. Okay. Um, and that is because these last two statements that talk about human beings being higher than the angels, both of those were in the context of after the great controversy. And so that raises an interesting but potentially slightly disturbing question. And that is, are humans better off because of sin? You know? 
I mean, maybe we never were supposed to be above the angels. Maybe it's because of the whole sin thing that, uh, you know, maybe we get like hazardous duty pay or something and we get a promotion. Are we actually better off because of sin? You know, that's kind of a, it's not a happy thought. You know, we don't like to say anything is better because of sin, right? So we need to answer the question. In order to answer that question, though, we need to know a little bit more back about Lucifer. So bear with me. Just keep all those thoughts in mind. God was a light so effulgent that Lucifer occupied the position of covering cherub so that the universe could at all times look upon his glory. What does the word effulgent mean? (laughs) That is a certified 25-cent word right there. Anybody know what effulgent means? It means bright. Really bright. Really, really bright. God was a light so bright that Lucifer occupied the position of covering cherub so that the universe could at all times look upon his glory. Another statement. He who was once the covering cherub, whose work it was to hide from the heavenly intelligences the glory of God, perverted his intellect and divorced himself from God. That was his job, was to hide. Now, this morning, we had some comments about the veil. Very close to the related thought here. Okay? To hide the glory of God so that the universe could deal with this. Okay? Well, <clears throat> that was Lucifer's job. One of the, you know, he was also the choir director and a few other things. Who knows what else? But, you know. But that's the reason he was called the covering cherub. It was his highest profile job. Notice this text. Adam and Eve were granted communion with their maker with no obscuring veil between. What was going to happen to Lucifer's job if that idea caught on? This communion was definitely a part of the original plan before sin messed things up. This is, this is, you know, this is Adam and Eve before sin. So they didn't get this because of sin, right? Okay, let's go on. Through the imparted life of Christ, man has been given opportunity to win back again the lost gift of life and to stand in his original position before God, a partaker of the divine nature. We don't end up higher than we were supposed to be. We get back to where we were supposed to be, okay? Satan, in his efforts to deceive and tempt our race, had thought to frustrate the divine plan in man's creation, but Christ now asks that this plan be carried into effect as if man had never fallen. He asks for his people not only pardon and justification, full and complete, but a share in his glory and a seat upon his throne. You may remember from Isaiah that Lucifer had this thing about throne, right? I will exalt my throne. Lucifer was never given the invitation to sit on the throne of God. We are. To them that overcome, they will sit down with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 
That's kind of a mind-blowing thing if we have any grasp of what that's talking about. And I'm sure I don't have much grasp at all, but you know. Okay, so now we have to go back and, and look at one more thing, because now we throw all this stuff up here. Does this excuse Lucifer? I mean, this is like, I mean, they're going to take my job. Is that the reason for sin? No, that's no reason for sin whatsoever. Lucifer's proper response, if he had not already indulged selfish thoughts, his proper response would have been, whoa, no kidding. This is going to be great. I get to fit into a new role. I get to have somebody tell me what to do. I never had anybody but God tell me what to do before. This is going to be fantastic. I can learn about the character of God from a whole new role. Praise the Lord. That's what he should have said. Everything God had ever asked him to do had been for his blessing. That would have been too. But Lucifer chose selfishness. All these developments may help us understand this next quotation a little bit more. The creation of our world was brought into the councils of heaven. There, the covering cherub prepared his request that he should be made prince to govern the world, then in prospect. We would say then in planning. This was not accorded him. This was not granted to him. Jesus Christ was to rule the earthly kingdom. Under God, he engaged to take the world with all its probabilities. And I think that includes the probability of sin, actually. The law of heaven should be the standard law for this new world, for human intelligences. Lucifer was jealous of Christ, and this jealousy worked into rebellion, and he carried with him a large number of the holy angels. Lucifer wanted this planet. Is that because of the geology? Or was it because of the inhabitants? I lean towards the inhabitants. I think he saw, you know, from his selfish perspective, he saw these human beings as a bit of a threat. And sometimes, you know, the only way to deal with something is get out ahead of it. So, I'll be in charge. And that wasn't given to him. Now, it's interesting, the specification, the law of God should be made the standard, the law of heaven should be the standard law for this new world. Was Lucifer already at that point proposing sociological, societal changes? Maybe we can just tweak this a little bit, God. How about we try this law? Eh? Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. There's mysteries that I you know, haven't been revealed. But now we're going to go back one more step. And we're going to analyze. I'm not giving you a reason for sin. But we're going to look at the way it developed once it developed. At the core of Lucifer's rebellion, there is one very simple but infinitely important issue. At some point, on some issue, some little thing, some big thing, I don't know, some thing, at some point, God said, Lucifer, please do this. 
and there was a first time when Lucifer thought, that's better. God says, please do this. And Lucifer says, that's better. I don't know what it was. You know, wouldn't it be ironic if it all started with something really, really petty? You know, inconsequential. Lucifer, let's use this hymn for opening song tonight. I wanted that one. I think that one goes better with the sermon. (laughs) Maybe it was a bigger thing, you know. Lucifer, let's recycle that sun out there. Let's just have it go supernova. No, I I don't know what's going on. Some point, God says, do this, and Lucifer says, that's better. Now, you couldn't say that without some things already happening. In order to get to this point of saying that's better than what God said, one of two things had to have already happened in Lucifer's mind. Either Lucifer believed that God had made a mistake, and it's like Lucifer's like, oh, what? Whoa, man, I mean, I've never seen that before. That's like incredible. I mean, God's really pretty bright, but I've never... But he, he goofed this time. He just really goofed up. This is obviously better. I mean, man, it's a mind blower. Maybe he thought that. I don't know. If he didn't think God had made a mistake, then it meant God knew what he was doing. And if God knew that this was better, but he asked me to do that, then Lucifer would believe that God had deliberately commanded something that was not in Lucifer's best interest. In other words, Lucifer had lost faith in God. Even if God had just made a simple mistake, that was a serious concern. After all, God was in charge of running the universe. You can't have mistakes getting made. I mean, you know, Houston, we have a problem. That, that, was, that, was, that was bad already, you know? I mean, <laughs> can you imagine this on a, on a bigger scale? You know? <laughs> Who could trust God's wisdom if it had been proven faulty? Even just once, if he goofed up, how do, how do I know he's not going to goof up the next time? Maybe God's slowly going senile. Nobody knows. Nobody ever been through that territory before. If God hadn't made a mistake, then it meant that he was intentionally harming his subjects, the citizens of heaven. Who could trust his love if it, had, if it had been proven false? And so Lucifer, by the time he got to the, this is better, he was already able to entertain at least one and probably both of these concerns. It's possible. You could say, oh, I just think he made a, a simple mistake. But that would quickly transition to trust, distrust of his love when Lucifer said, oh, God, I think you slipped up. And God says, no, I didn't. This is best. 
whoa, whoa, whoa. I brought it to his attention, and he's, he's still sticking. I mean, he doubled down on the thing. You know, he's, I, I, I don't think I can trust him. Lucifer lost faith in God's wisdom and probably God's love as well. But that's not all. If Lucifer were smart enough to spot God's mistake, it meant that Lucifer was smarter than God. If God had tried to trick Lucifer into doing something that wasn't for his own best good, then the mere fact that God had failed to fool him meant that Lucifer was smarter than God. That's the stuff that pride is made out of. Now it would be easy for Lucifer to simply do what he was sure was the best thing. After all, it has been demonstrated that I am smarter than God. That's what we call disobedience, is when you actually do the thing. But that's not all. Even if Lucifer never said a word about his disobedience, the influence of his actions told all the other angels, you can't depend on God to take care of you. You need to take charge of your own life. You need to do what God does. You need to exalt yourself. And then you too will be like the Most High. Because that's what he did. There's our lie. <clears throat> but that's not all. Once Lucifer took the responsibility of caring for himself, it meant he had to do whatever it took to provide for himself. If necessary, that meant stealing. If necessary, that meant murder. He hadn't killed anybody in, you know, in a literal kind of a particular sense. Maybe he hadn't stolen anything yet at this point. But this is why Jesus could say, from the beginning, Lucifer was a murderer. Because murder is intent, is, is in the very, it, it is inherent in distrust of God. If I don't trust his love, if I don't trust his wisdom, I will kill you if I need what you have. Because I have to take care of it. It's nothing personal, it's not that I dislike you. It's just that, you know, I, I need the food because there's only enough food for one of us. And, and, and if there's only one, you know, I've I got to look out for myself, man. Sorry, but it's going to be me that's going to eat that, not you. Like Jesus said, he was a murderer from the beginning. <clears throat> hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop there. That's a reasonably good break place. Somebody, I don't know who it was, but some wiser person than I, said one of the most basic things of any battle plan is to know your enemy. Now, Ellen White says the same thing. She says the one thing Satan fears most is that God's people would become familiar with his plans and his attacks against them. Let's not focus too much on Lucifer, though. Because the good news is, we have a better general. But it does put it into stark contrast. We're in a war, and he hates you. 
And he wants to do far worse to you than putting an ammunition round through your heart. Spend time with your general. He wants you to have keen tact, sharp, what is that statement go? Sharp something, planning, I don't remember exactly how it went. You know, he, he wants us to grow up. Not be babes in the woods. We're in a war. Let's not ride our bicycles through to try and prove to the universe that Lucifer is kind. Might not work well. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you have preserved for us accurate information about which we would know nothing. We would be defenseless. We would just be uniformly dumb. And so, Lord, we confess that we are, unfortunately, still too uniformly dumb. There's a lot we need to learn. But we thank you that you have provided us the privilege of enlisting in your army. We pray that you would run us through boot camp and whatever else it takes so that we can work wisely and well with the commander of the army of the Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.